Hi, and welcome to the very first episode of Gamers, Geeks, and Girls. I'm your host, Lori. Please bear with me. This is my first time doing a podcast. I'm kind of nervous, and I really want to do well because I think that there needs to be more women voices in the geek and gamer community. The birth of this podcast actually began as a school project, and what started out as a project turned into something that was much more. Part of the project was to create a proposal on why my podcasts would be beneficial. And the more I wrote the proposal, the more I realized, yeah, this is actually a pretty good idea because there's not a lot of women voices in the geek and gamer community, even within podcasts. So I wanted my first episode to be a gateway episode. I wanted to talk about the things that got me into being a geek and the things that got me into being a gamer and the struggles along the way of having to prove that I'm a geek or a gamer. And there are many. But let's start with my brother. My older brother, although not a geek, is the person who really got me into being a geek. So my brother was more of a gamer. He had an Atari, and he had a Nintendo, and he had a Super Nintendo. But then he left to the military, and I got left with all the systems. So of course I took advantage of it and I played my butt off. I played all the time because it was the only chance I had to play. When he was actually here, he wouldn't let me touch the systems. He would let me watch, but not play. And I was happy with watching because it just meant I was spending time with my brother. But when I watched him play, it was exciting to me. Even if I didn't get to play, it was still fun. However, that was also the first time I realized that maybe video games weren't meant for girls. After all, I didn't know any other girls who played, and the only ones I knew who did play were boys. So I was kind of like the odd duckling there. But I didn't care. I had all the systems, I had all the games, and I was having fun. A lot of fun. That's probably where my love for gaming really grew. So it wasn't until I was, I believe, a junior in high school where I finally got enough money to buy my own system. And I bought the N64. And I only really wanted it for one game. It was called Perfect Dark. And what do you know, the lead character in the game was a girl. It was the first time I've ever seen a female lead character where she wasn't being saved. And she was the one who was actually beating people up. It was awesome. Plus it's just an awesome game. Despite the fact that I was in high school, I still didn't know any other girl who was a gamer. Mind you, I went to a high school with like 300 other girls. It was an all-girls school. You would think at least one of them would have stood up and said, yes, I am a gamer too. But alas, that didn't happen. The only people I did play video games with were a group of guys that happened to include my, at the time, boyfriend. But that's okay, because it's because of them that I actually got into being a geek, like a real geek. You see, they got me into playing Dungeons and Dragons and I had never heard of the game and I never knew anybody who played it. I didn't know what it was about, but when they brought me on, it was amazing. I was having so much fun and I wanted to share it with other girls, but sadly no other girls were interested. So I was the lone girl in a group of boys playing Dungeons and Dragons. Not only did they get me into D&D, but then they also got me into Magic the Gathering. I mean, could I get any geekier at this point? I was playing tabletop games, something that I never, ever would have fathomed that I'd be into. 
But not once did they ever make me feel like I didn't belong. And not once did they make me feel like I was an outsider just because I was a girl. They took the time to teach me and they enjoyed my company just as much as I enjoyed theirs. From there, I got into Lord of the Rings. And from Lord of the Rings, and here's where it gets really interesting, I was peer pressured into reading Harry Potter. Now when Harry Potter really blew up, I was 18 years old and I just graduated high school. I couldn't understand why anybody would find it interesting to read a book about an 11 year old boy who finds out he's a wizard. I just couldn't fathom it. Unless of course you're 11 years old. But, and enter my two cousins, they went on and on about how amazing Harry Potter was and they knew what a big bookworm I was. So to shut my cousins up, I decided to pick up the first book and read it. I gave it a chance. And boy, was I wrong because the book was amazing. Apparently, I was one of those people who wanted to read a book about an 11-year-old boy. But there was so much to the book that I can't even explain right now. And I'm not going to begin to because then this podcast would be a whole lot longer. But instead, I will tell you that I became one of the biggest Harry Potter fans ever. I have a tattoo and I even went on a Harry Potter fan trip to Scotland and London. So needless to say, yeah, I was wrong. It was in that Harry Potter fandom that I found my home. I found the people that were just as passionate about it as I was, and it was exciting. And not only that, there were women, there were girls of all ages, and it felt amazing, and I wanted more of it. Let's fast forward it a little bit to when I'm 24 years old. I'm pregnant with my daughter, and I'm reading a book series called Aragon, very similar to Lord of the Rings. And in that book is a female character, an elf named Arya. And I thought she was such a badass character. I mean, she stood on her own two feet and she didn't need anybody to save her. And I loved the name. And guess what? That's what I named my daughter because I wanted my daughter to have that same badass personality. And then I found out later on that Arya is also a character in Game of Thrones and she also happens to be a badass as well. So I think I chose the right name for my daughter. After my daughter was born, I began missing that community feeling of having people with things in common to talk to. So I went online and I joined a website called Cafe Mom. And that's where I met the most amazing group of women ever. So Cafe Mom was a forum-based website where you can join different groups about any interest under the sun. And what was great was that the groups that you joined all had mothers. It was a website dedicated to mothers. So, of course, the first group that I search up is a Harry Potter group, and that's what I did. I joined a Harry Potter group, and that's where I met lifelong friends that I still talk to to this day. And it was so much fun because finally, not only did I get to speak about Harry Potter, but as a new mom, I had the opportunity to speak to other mothers, both new mothers and veteran mothers, to get all the advice that I could possibly need while also raising a little geekling. Being a part of that group on Cafe Mom really opened my eyes to the amount of women geeks there actually are. And I was excited to share that with them because up until then, there were only a few girls here and there. But here is a whole group with a lot of women who all love the same thing. And that's all we ever talked about. And from there, they got me into other things. 
they're the ones who told me about Twilight. And while I'm very critical about the books, I couldn't help but feel a little girly reading them and I enjoyed them for what they were. So little by little, I started joining other book fandoms. And what was great was that the majority of fans were also women. So it wasn't just Harry Potter and it wasn't just Twilight, but I also started getting into the Black Dagger Brotherhood and Outlander and the House of Night and Vampire Academy. And really the list can go on and on. But let's move away from books and move into something more like experiences. And let's also skip the clock four years. And at the time, my daughter was four years old when New York Comic Con came to the city. It wasn't the first year. I think it was about the third year or so. Maybe even the second. I can't remember. But I really wanted to go. I just had no one to go with. And I had no idea how to even get there, where to go, or how to get tickets. And this is where my friend comes into the picture. She just happened to have a spare ticket. And not only that, a spare kid's ticket. So I was super excited and I jumped at the chance of going to my very first convention. And of course, if I'm going to go, I want to go all out. I decided to choose a cosplay for my daughter and I that was recognizable, but still different, but still within the same universe. So I chose Sheva from Resident Evil 5 and I dressed my daughter up as Jill Valentine, also from the Resident Evil series. And she looks so super cute. And yes, we did get stopped a few times because people did notice us. But not all the attention was always positive. In fact, there were times when I would be walking and I hear people walking by saying, I probably don't even know who the character is. Or even worse, if I actually played the game, I would know what a crappy character that was. Now, I'll agree, Sheva wasn't exactly the best character if you were playing as Chris and she was the NPC. However, because I played as a two-player team, I was always Sheva and I played her pretty darn well. So I was excited to be her. But those weren't the only comments that I got. As I was walking around the con floor, mind you, I still had my daughter with me. I would get comments from guys talking about how they like my ass or they like my breasts. They like how sexy I look in the costume. And it wasn't even a revealing costume. However, if I got stopped by a girl, then they would comment about what a great job I did on my costume or even where I got my boots. So there was definitely a difference there and I started to notice it. And what's worse, I hated the fact that my daughter noticed it as well. That was when I really realized that women were nothing more than eye candy to men at cons, regardless of the type of costume you wore. Now, despite those few comments, it was still a really fun con, and my daughter had a great time, and it was a geek come true. Like, I couldn't believe that I was in a place where I was surrounded by other fans for the same things, and it actually opened my world even more. But it also opened my world to the fact that girls weren't always welcome in these spaces, and there were times where I actually had to prove that I was a geek to people. Either they didn't believe me, or they thought that I was a geek for the wrong reasons. And it was very frustrating, to say the least. But it's not always bad. And for the most part, it can be welcoming. In fact, it's because of this world that I met my husband. To make a long story short, we were introduced to each other through a mutual friend who thought that we both would get along because of the fact that we cosplay. At the time, I wasn't looking for a relationship. Neither was he. But we still decided to become friends. And as a friend, he told me that I need to watch Doctor Who like yesterday. 
And I didn't know what Doctor Who was. I never heard of Doctor Who, but he told me all about it and I decided to give it a shot. And that was the next fandom that I got into that was almost, if not bigger than Harry Potter. Of course, Harry Potter is still my number one love, but Doctor Who is a close second. It would be a year before we actually got to meet in person. And what do you know, it was at the next con. And it just so happened that I saw him walking by when he was in cosplay and I pointed him out. We took a picture, we went our separate ways, and after that, we continued to speak sporadically. Two years after that, at yet another con, my daughter and I were cosplaying as Elsa and Anna from Frozen. Now, the big celebrity that year was Stephen Amell. He's the actor that played the character The Green Arrow on the CW show Arrow. And my daughter really, really wanted to meet The Green Arrow. Unfortunately, I didn't have the money to meet him. But that didn't stop her, and she spent the entire con looking for a cosplayer who was even remotely perfect enough to be the Green Arrow. It wasn't until the end of the con when I just told my daughter that she needed to find somebody because we had to go. So we go down a line of fans that are waiting to meet Stephen Amell, surely one of them had to be dressed as the Green Arrow, and she found him. And she yelled over at me that she found him and that she wanted to take a picture with him. And he agreed. It wasn't until I got home that I realized who exactly the Green Arrow was. And yes, it happened to be my now husband. After that con, him and I got to speak a lot more as friends. But now I actually had something to bring to the table when we talked about Doctor Who. Because now I was obsessed and a huge fan. Nine months later, we started dating. And it's because of him that I'm the geek that I am now. Not that I needed him to be a geek. But he introduced a lot of other things into my life that I never would have picked up otherwise. Now, I have to say, this is the first relationship where I'm actually dating a super geek just as much as a big a geek as I am. And he's also a gamer. So that's all we would ever talk about. And we really wouldn't shut up. Actually, now that I think about it, five years later, we still haven't really shut up. Being a geek was a big part of our relationship. It was our identity. And we used that identity and put it into how we decorated. We put it into how we planned our wedding. And we put it into how we named our son. For reference, our son's name is John Connor. And it wasn't even a debate. We knew right away exactly what his name would be. And it works perfect. Now we have two kids, two geeklings, with geeky names. And despite being married to a geek and the fact that he accepts me just the way I am, and he never questions exactly how geeky I am, I still get questioned by other people about my geekiness. It's almost like I have to prove that I'm a geek and how I'm a geek. How do I know my characters? Do I know their backstory? Do I know the first issue that they showed up in? It gets really exhausting after a while trying to defend myself. And it's not just pop culture that you get these questions. It's also in video games. It's like guys can't believe that girls are actually good gamers. When I used to play Call of Duty online, I would actually make the effort to talk to my teammates. But the second they realized that I was a girl, the misogynistic and sexist comments would occur. For the most part, most of the comments are tame. They're usually along the lines of, why don't you go into the kitchen and make me a sandwich? Or, you can't play, you're just a girl. Or, how do you expect to shoot when you're worried about your nails? And stupid stuff like that. But there are comments that can get brutal and downright 
horrifying such as if you lose this match for us then we're gonna take turns raping you yes that actually happened so after a while i just stopped talking to my teammates i changed my screen name so that it's more gender neutral and no one ever knew i was a girl and i would continue playing of course after all of that i got tired of playing and i switched to something else but it happens time and time again with other girls. I know I'm not alone. And maybe they haven't gotten as brutal comments and maybe they've had teammates that are more welcoming. But either way, it happens and it's a problem. And it became an even bigger problem in 2014 when Gamergate blew up the internet. I was thankful that I chose to not talk on the microphone anymore and I was even more thankful that I stopped playing those particular games. I didn't want to deal with the backlash that happened with Gamergate. Sadly, there were other women that just didn't have a choice. It's now 2020 and Gamergate is still very much alive and the things that women have to deal with is still a problem and it's still an issue that needs to be addressed. But this is another reason why I wanted to do the podcast. I wanted to show the world that women can be geeks, women can be gamers, and we're actually good at it and we're just as passionate about it. We don't want to ruin whatever world you've created. We just want to be a part of it and we want it to be accepted and we want to be respected. In hindsight, it doesn't seem like we're asking for a lot, but for some reason, there are many people out there who feel like that is a lot to ask for. Gaming is not strictly for guys, just like being a geek is not strictly for guys. Sure, maybe women aren't as represented as much in pop culture, but we're there and we're paying attention and we're gonna speak up. So if you're a girl, a woman, or any other type of minority that has been shunned from these type of communities, just know that you're not alone and we are here for you. I have a lot of plans for this podcast that I would love to see through and I would love for you to join me in that journey as well. Thank you for listening to Gamers, Geeks, and Girls. This is Lori signing off.